what would you say is likely to be one of the least exercised practices among a Christian? You don't have to to answer out loud. Just think to yourself. What would you say would probably one of the least exercised practices? Now, growing up, my parents taught me the importance of prayer. And I remember growing up, praying for my meal, saying a quick prayer before I went to bed, saying a very serious prayer before each of my tests that I took in high school and college especially when I didn't quite study like I should have. But for the most part, my prayer life growing up was pretty anemic. I mean, the, is the deepest it got was, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food, by his hands we all are fed, give us Lord our daily bread, amen. And I just eat, right? And I remember praying that prayer for years and years before I ever changed it up when I got to college. And all of a sudden I realized, you know, that that prayer I've been praying, the same thing, and I got to where I could say it really fast, like I was from New York or something. God is great, God is great, listen, I could speak it really fast, and I'm sure that God really appreciated how fast I could speak that prayer. <laughs> yeah, that's about what God said too. Ha! Ah. He didn't. But for the most part, my prayer life was pretty anemic. When we got to China, we ran into a guy, his name was Jeff. And we called Jeff the praying man. I would say that probably, we arrived in China in 2004. I was born in 1969, so you can do the math. But until that time, I'd never really, 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 We got up there, and we're sitting there talking. We're, we're going into North Korea, and we're in this van, Regina and I and a couple other people, and then Jeff. And we're in this van going into North Korea, and we're talking about what we're getting ready to do. We're talking about life. All of a sudden, his eyes are open. He's looking at us, and we realize he's not talking to us. He's now talking to God about what's getting ready to happen. And, he's, and we're like, okay, so close our eyes and join him in prayer and hold hands done yet you know he would just be in the middle of conversation he would just break into prayer because the holy spirit was speaking to him and he made it a habit in his life to be engaged in prayer every single minute of every day so he would be in the middle of a conversation with you and all of a sudden he's off talking to god about something that's super important that's coming up because he was tuned in and keyed into what god wanted him to do there's a lot of different reasons why as Christians, our prayer life may be anemic, right? There's, there's a lot of different reasons we can give. Sometimes we get bored. Anybody ever done this? You wake up or you're trying to go to sleep at night and, okay, I'm just going to say my prayer before I go to bed tonight. Lord, pray for... And all of a sudden you're asleep. That's not Kim's problem this morning. He's been up for 24 hours. But you get bored with your prayer. You get bored in the middle of your prayer. It's like... I, or I gotta do this, or sometimes you get distracted. Lord God, thank you for this food. 
then I'm getting ready to eat, and um, there's a biscuit over here that I haven't finished yet. And, oh, and that biscuit reminds me that i got to get the butter out of the microwave before it melts. Oh, the microwave reminds me, that reminds me that i got to fix my electricity. And we're kind of ADD in our prayers. And we just get distracted so quickly because our, our minds are going 45 million directions instead of being focused on talking to our Heavenly Father. Or we feel guilty and like, we don't really want to come back to God. Have you ever done that when, after you've been out of God's word for a while, you've been out, you haven't spent time in praying to God in a while? Hi, God, it's me again. You know, and you feel a little guilty there. Maybe we need to understand the importance that God places in prayer in our lives and how he, he wants us to come to Him and join Him and ask Him for things so He can bless us and be involved and get us involved in what He's doing. For some, some people, they don't like to be in the groups where you hold hands, right? You, you get in a group prayer and everybody's going to hold hands. Like when we, we, as a family, when we get ready to pray for a meal, we hold hands. And I, I love my girl. My girls hate this, but as you finish praying the prayer, anybody ever sat next to the squeezer? It's like, oh, Lord, thank you for this food. Amen. Squeeze. <laughs> squeeze. Just a little squeeze right there, right? My girls are like, Dad, stop that. Squeeze. So I just do it on purpose now. Or maybe you're sitting there in the circle praying with people and you have Bone Crusher on the one side, right? Everybody seen that Bugs Bunny cartoon? He's out there, the wrestler, against Bone Crusher. And he's, oh, the more serious the prayer gets, the more he clamps down on your hand. And, oh, this kind of reminds me of when Regina was giving birth to our first daughter, Rachel, and my hand was like this when I got done. She's like, contraction! And Bone Crusher there, my hand was all... Or on the other side, you got the fish grip. You ever, you ever shook hands with somebody with the fish grip? It's like limpy, limpy, limpy. And they're over here, and you're like, it's sweaty, it's clammy, it's cold. And you're like, oh, Lord, pray that his hand dries off quickly. Sometimes we're just, we don't like, or maybe you're in a group, and the thing is they're used, they're praying scripture, they're, they're, they have this magnanimous prayers, and they're just are really good at it, and you are not. I mean, they're praying scripture. They're like Moses' little brother or sister, right? And you're like, maybe I need to start doing that too. So, Lord, um, as I prayed today, um, you said in your word, uh, your name is Jehovah Nisan. Um, God, uh, you are so good. You're good to the last drop, God. You are so good. Your word is so good. It melts in your mouth, not in your hands. Like a good neighbor, God, you're always there. Thank you for your blood. It's thicker than water. Trying to compete with others. See, when we come to God in prayer, He's not concerned with how magnanimous your prayers are. The important thing is that we found two things in, in, in looking at people's prayer life and even looking at my prayer life and two things and these are in your notes in the bulletin we find two problems in our prayers one is that our prayers are too small and number two that oftentimes our prayers are too general they're too small and that we're like god i just want to pray for my food god give me a parking space when i pull into king supers or they're too general, like, God bless all the missionaries around the world. God, 
help those people over there. God, let us, whatever, maybe they're so general and so broad that of course they're going to get, of course God's going to bless all the missionaries. And instead of taking the missionary letters that comes in when Stephanie sends those out every week or so in our, to our email list, and you read through the letters and you see the needs that are there and you can pray specifically for the workmen's specifically for the prices, specifically for the Tamakos, specifically for the Nelsons and, and others that we support, and all their needs as they list them out there. Asking God to intercede. Or uh, uh, we, got, we got a phone call this morning from a friend of ours. He's a pastor. That's the church that we are going to uh, have our, our Valentine banquet with. They got a call this morning. Their daughter went into labor, and they had to do an emergency C-section back in Missouri. So his wife is on the road this morning driving to Missouri. And so we were able as a family, individually and as a family, to, to begin praying that everything would be okay, that the baby would be born, there'd be no complications, and that Shannon would be able to drive from Denver to outside Springfield, Missouri, and safely and be able to get there in, in, in one piece. Be very specific. It's been said that general prayers don't move God to specific actions. When we pray just the general, God bless all the missionaries. God bless our pastor. God help my neighbor who's being a real jerk. We want God to move specifically. And he wants us to join him in the work that he is trying to do in our community, in the lives of our, the body of Christ who's here. Tiny God, he's not some statue that's on our mantle. He's the great big God of the universe. He created this universe and everything in it in six days. He is big enough to we can ask for big prayers and join him in big things he's trying to do, things he's trying to accomplish. We may be a small church, but we can still accomplish big things through Christ. Think of the early church, how small they started out and the impact they had all around. James says that we have not because we ask not. We wonder why God isn't moving in our midst or why he's not moving in our family. He's not moving in our co-workers to bring them to Christ. Have we prayed for them? Have we asked God specifically to, to bring them to Christ or to heal them or whatever the need may be? Or are we still praying those generic prayers? God bless all my co-workers. And have the faith to believe that God can work. Today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. Over the next couple of weeks, Take a look at some of Paul's prayers. And he says, I pray so that, I pray so that. I'm kneeling before, as he's writing to the different churches, I'm kneeling, I'm praying, I'm standing here interceding on your behalf so that you may. We're going to take a look at what Paul is saying about the prayers he's praying for and about the early church. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3 this morning, verses 14 through 21. If you just read with me together as we read through this, and then we'll break it down. He says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to com comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and, length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, 
that you may be filled with all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So let's break this down a little bit. Paul's telling us this first his incentive to pray. There's no notes behind this one. I apologize. Got to change up my message at the last minute this week. Thought I didn't have time to put together a PowerPoint. Apologize. I'll speak slowly so Charlie can follow. Paul's incentive to pray. He says there in verse 14. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. First of all, you ever wonder what posture we should be praying in? Is it kneeling? Is it standing? Is it laying down? Is it prostrate on the floor? Is it hands raised? Is it hands at our side? Is it hands out wide? Is it one hand? Is it two hands? Is it no hands? Face forward, face back, up, down. What posture? I don't think it matters. Whatever is going on in your heart, in fact, that last song we were singing, Holy, 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 that is by far my favorite hymn, my favorite song of all time. I'm up here trying to sing it, and tears are pouring down my face as I'm just proclaiming the holiness of God. I want to come up here and just crash at the stage and say, God, I'm not worthy. You are holy. You are almighty God. The emotion that may be going on in your heart, there are times when I'm in my bedroom at night and I'm praying. Sometimes I'm sitting in my bed. I'm sitting there with my pillow behind me praying. Sometimes I feel like I need to get kneeled down next to my bed and just kneel next. And sometimes I'm flat down on, the, on my floor before God. Paul says here, I kneel before Heavenly Father praying for this church, not necessarily to show that we should be kneeling, but to show that is one of the that is one of the prost- that is one of the postures that we can have in the early church. Most Jewish men, when they prayed before God, they prayed like this palms upraised, and they were praying to God, asking Him to intercede. We had a song we sang back in, in, in China, this co- the co- Korean song called Dang Shinun. It was a blessing song, and we would all stand there, we would sing it together, and everybody had their palms upraised, and we would pray this blessing song on all those around, especially if whoever was there were praying it to, or praying it about. Asking God to bless that person, asking God to intercede, and there was a prayer from us to God on that person's behalf. And that was awesome. I loved it. But notice that Paul's passion for the Ephesian church there. He says, I'm praying, I kneel before the Father on your behalf, for whom every family in heaven and earth is named. His passion for God, his passion for the church, his passion for the family of God. He does, and other times in scriptures, you read through the New Testament, he said, I never stop ceasing, I never stop praying, I never stop praying, I never stop praying. Always praying on, on your behalf. Always going to God and interceding on your behalf. He is constantly in prayer. Is it because he can't do anything? Is it because he's powerless? No. Paul does this. He goes to God in prayer because why not instruments? We're his tools he's using in our community, in our church, to a power strip. Beautiful. But if we'd forgotten to put this end in the socket back there, what would have happened to the tree? It would have been dark. It would have been nothing. Because we would not have tapped in 
to the power source, which is the socket back there. Just the same way with God, if we go through our life trying to work and work and work in our own power and our own strength without tapping into the power source, we're just like dark trees. When we go to God in prayer, we're admitting, God, I need your power. I need your strength. And God desires us to have his power and strength. In fact, he says, with the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to us as Christians. That power that raised Christ from the dead is available to us if we but tap into it. And we tap into it on our knees. We tap into it when we bow our heads. We tap into it when we lift up our eyes to God and say, God, I need your power. Verse 15, he says, I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power. Paul is specifically praying here that the church will be strengthened with the power of God, that they would move forward in power. This church here in AD 60 was hated by their community. They were despised by the Romans, despised by the Jews, despised by all those around them. Here in this town where Diana, the goddess Diana was revered, and they put up this massive temple to her, which became one of the seven wonders of the world, this little church was a beacon, was a light in that town. Paul says, I'm praying that you will be strengthened with the power of God in your innermost being, that you would have access there. He says, because of what Christ has done, the riches of his glory there in verse 15, because of what he's done, because of the riches of his glory, you might be strengthened. Philippians chapter 4, he kind of mimics this. He says, my desires to meet our needs. He desires to meet us right where we are. And Paul says, I'm praying that you'll be strengthened with spiritual power, with power, with power. The word there is dunamai. It's the same word that we got, the, the root word for our word dynamite. He says, I'm praying that you'll be strengthened with massive power. Be strengthened with the power to move forward, to impact lives and make a difference in the community. We may look at ourselves and think, we're 25, 30, 35 people in our church. What can we do in Thornton? What can we do? What impact can we have in the Denver metro area? What impact can we have in Colorado? What impact can we have overseas? We just need to tap into the power. We just got to tap in to the source. He says, I want you to have this power. What what does that give us? What what kind of power do we get? We get power to overcome temptation in our own lives. How hard is it? I fail. How many times have you committed to God, I'm not going to do this thing again? I can't tell you how many times I've committed that. God, yeah, I messed up again. I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to do it again. God, I've failed again. I promise you, God, this time, this is it. I'm not going to do this thing ever again until next time. Because I'm not tapped into the power source. I'm trying to overcome the sin of my own power, my own strength. How about the power to stand strong in the culture? When the culture says, shut up, be quiet, don't make any waves, 
And they try to push us down to keep us quiet, to stand strong in the culture and say, I will not give in. I'm going to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit in my life and spend time with him every day so that I'm moving forward, not in the power of David Edder, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. So when I'm confronted by some, something in our culture, I can stand up and say, that is wrong. That is offensive to a holy God. I will not give in because I represent God. Or the power to be bold in communicating the love of Christ to those around us. It's easier to just keep quiet. It's easier to not say anything to those around us. It's easier to just mind your own business and make, don't make waves. It's not what God wants. When Jesus came, he was a wave maker. We as his followers of Christ are wave makers ourselves. We simply need to tap into the power so we can accomplish what God's got for us. I learned a little bit about power last year. Last summer, we were out there building the ramp for our, our trailer next door, the education trailer, the kids' trailer. And so we're building this ramp in there, and we had to put these four-by-fours into the ground, or not into the ground, but mount them into the concrete. And so we had these braces that the four-by-fours sit in, and we drill a hole in the ground and put the little post into the ground, and then you got to kind of set it in place. But the metal brace that's around the four-by-four you know, I was like, man, this is not going to be fun. My wrist are, still hurts me from pointing. So I'm like not looking forward to it. And the contractor was out there helping us. He said, don't worry. There's this really cool thing called a palm nailer. I'm like, palm nailer? What is a palm nailer? He says, let me show you. He, put the, he grabbed it. It was connected by a comp- air hose to the compressor. He put the nail in there, and he goes, Brap! I was like, ooh, that's pretty cool. Let me try Put the nail, rap, 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 rap. I felt like I was flying an A-10 uh, pilot, like an A-10 uh, airplane with the military. They have a 30-millimeter Gatling gun on the front. Rap, 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 rap. That's what I felt like. I was, I was like, hey, this is pretty cool. In fact, I was, wa- I was walking around with the palm nailer without the nail in it. Rap, 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 Bad joke, bad joke. It was so cool. I was like, this is my new favorite friend. I, had, I was like, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll nail all those things in there. Not a problem. I can do it. And it was fun. That's power. Compared to this that I was planning on, I loved it. Tapping into the power that's available made life so much easier as I was really putting that ramp together. Tapping into the ultimate power that's available to us now makes living life, overcoming temptation, living what God wants us to do so much easier easier. Paul says, he's telling here, he's praying for the spiritual strength for these people. He says, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power, where? In the inner being through his Holy Spirit. The strength that comes from within. He says, they want Christ to dwell in them, not just go through life. He says, your inner, in your innermost being here, let Christ dwell within you. Let him take up residence. Let it become a part of what you're doing every single day. You ever wonder what Christian life would be like if we all let Christ truly take up residence? 
not just invite him in as a visitor. I have a home down on off 120th in York. I live there. I have a bed in there. I've got a closet. I come here during the week. I don't live here. Stephanie comes up here during the week. She may feel like she lives here. We have homes. We have closets. We have stuff in our houses that are ours. We have taken up residence and we dwell in those places. What would happen if we let Christ truly dwell in our lives, invite him in to take up permanent residence and not just invite him in as a visitor when it's convenient? Imagine the power that we, we could tap into. Imagine the overcoming that we could endure. The big, bodacious prayers that we could pray and see God answer on our behalf. Not the small prayers. Not the generic prayers. But big, bodacious ones. Asking Asking God to come in and dwell with us so we can praise God. When that happens, you'd be rooted, established to understand the love of 1718. When you invite Christ in to dwell, you become rooted, established, understanding, fully understanding the love of God, the width, the height, the depth of His love. We understand a little bit, right? You ever wonder about... In, in Revelation, talks about the creatures that around the throne of God. And for all of eternity, they're singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 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 You think they get tired of singing that? I don't think so. Because as they look at Almighty God, they are overcome with awe of the love of God and what he has done for his creation. They're in awe of what God has done for them and for us. As we think about the love of God, understand this too, that love is not the world. Yes, he intercedes on our behalf, but he doesn't do that because of his love. He does, it's not what he does. His love is who he is. It's natural outpouring of his very character. When we come to understand the love of God, our passion for the world, our passion for one another, and our desire to impact those around us increases exponentially. Parents, one of the big bodacious prayers that we should be praying for our kids is let them understand just how much God loves them. In spite of the ways they've messed up, in spite of the ways we've messed up as parents, we need to be praying for our kids, interceding on our kids' behalf, parents and grandparents, that they will come to understand just how much God loves them. See, when you truly come to understand how much God loves you, all those sins that we commit, are, are, those are no longer enticing. When I sin now, it's purely a choice of rebellion on my behalf. Truly understood how much God loved me and how much he loves you, sin would not even be an option, would not even come into it because we would be in awe like those angels and like those creatures in heaven around the throne of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 
was and is and is forever. The love of God constrains the words. Because I truly understand how much God loves us. Pray for our kids that they make wise choices with their friends. Pray for our kids that they will develop a passion to be involved in the big bodacious work that God has in this world. Pray for our kids that God will get a hold of their hearts. And we can't control that. As much as I want to twist my kids' arms and make them conform, they're people too. As much as I would love to twist everybody's arm in this room, I can't force anybody, as much as I stand up here and preach my brains out, force anybody to change. And that's exciting to me. Because that means change comes from God working in your heart, and in my heart, and in my kids' heart. That's where a change takes place. Do I pray for my kids? Do I cry before God for my kids? Do I worry about my new granddaughter, two weeks old? God, this little creature that you brought into the world. Yes, I worry about them. I pray for them. But I can't ultimately affect long-term change in their lives. Only God can. See, that change doesn't come naturally. Understanding the love of God doesn't come naturally. It must be supernaturally revealed by God. As we live live, as we live our lives and we go through experiences, life's experiences, God reveals himself to us in different ways. We were inside North Korea helping the people there and watching their faces light up as we were able to be involved in projects and they came to understand that we weren't doing this out of the kindness of our hearts. We weren't just going in there to help them because we were good people. We were in there helping them because we served a great God who loved them more than we did. And we told them that. We told them that we love, we, yes, we love them, but we don't love them as much as God loves them. And as we sat there and I had opportunities to share with some of our workers there and some of our other teammates had times to share with other workers about who this God is, very quietly, very, very patiently, explain to them as they ask questions about who this big God is. Charles Finney wrote this one time. He says, The Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through me and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. For I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. He, he describes the love of God when he finally came to understand how much God loves him. Waves and waves and waves and waves of liquid love in his life. And his passion to share Christ with others so they could also experience the waves and waves of the love that's what drove him that's what drives me as i'm driving around town and i got my little uber car around and i'm got somebody in the back seat for 5 10 15 20 minutes 30 minutes trapped they're not good they're kind of, they're not going to jump out of my car and i'm driving around i'm praying god give me an opportunity to share is it just cuz i want to have a conversation with this person no 
My introverted self would much rather just keep my eyes forward, turn my music up, and just stay focused. But that's not why God has me there. There's somebody in the back seat who needs to hear about the love of Christ so they can also experience the waves and waves and waves of love. So I'm praying, God, God, put one person in my car today I can share with. Put my car today that I can share the love of Christ with. Put one person in my car today, God, not only can I share with, but that will also turn their heart to you at some point in the near future. If I have a chance to share with them and pray with them, great. Usually not the case. But I have had times to pray with people. Like the young stripper I picked up, took her to her house and prayed to God, prayed with her before I dropped her off. The young mother I picked up who just, just dropped her baby off at the emergency room, spent all night in the emergency room with her 15-month-old baby with pneumonia, was going home to get changed and go to work while the baby was still at the hospital. Chance to pray with that mother. Chance to pray with others as they're getting ready to go back and travel to other places around the country. God has opened up those doors. As we're looking for those doors, I'm praying, God, give me somebody. Give me one person today that I can inject truth into their lives to share the love of Christ. Because I want them to experience the waves and waves and waves of liquid love in their lives as well. See, don't be afraid to ask God for big things. Let's don't be afraid to ask God to use our little church to accomplish big things for him. We were just a small team of missionaries, and he accomplished big things for us. We were a small family traveling around the United States, and God chose to use us to accomplish big things, things that were beyond my imagination. When I was seven years old and got saved, I'm sure that my Sunday school teacher had no clue where God was going to take us. Somebody was praying for me. Somebody's been praying for you as well. Verse 20 and 21, Paul closes out this. He says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. See, Paul is asking for God to do even more than what he's already been accomplishing. He's already been helping that little church. He says, I'm praying that God, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. His dunamite that is at work within us. His dynamite that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. My prayer for our church is that we would seek big, bodacious stuff. That we would seek to be specific in our prayers and seek God's face. Say, God, what do you want us to accomplish in 2020? What is it that we can be involved in? How can this little church impact the community around us? How can we impact the city that we are a part of? How can we impact the state that we live in? How can we impact the world? Will you join me for the next seven days? For the next seven days, till we come back again next Sunday, I'm going to ask you to pray. Say, God, 
used God use this church God give me opportunity today to speak truth into someone's life I'm not asking you to pull out your 90 pound King James Bible and say oh Lordeth walk up to somebody King Supers beat him over the head with their 90 pounder say you need Jesus today I'm not asking you to do that I'm simply saying are you willing to for the next seven days every single day say God use me God, use this church. God, let us be involved in what you are wanting to do through this church. Specifically, God, in two weeks' time, as we launch this church in the new name in our community, God, bring people to this church. Bring 10 visitors into this church, specifically, to hear about the waves and waves of the love of Jesus. Pray specifically. Maybe God lays it on your heart to pray for 20 people. That's, that's between you and Him. I'm praying this year that God will give us 25 new souls that we're able to bring directly into, our, into the kingdom of God as a direct result of the ministries of this church. 25. That would double the number that we have here this morning. 25. You're like, wow, that doesn't seem like very much. Maybe God's asking you to pray for 50. This morning as I was praying, getting ready for this message, God says 25. That's the number I want you to pray for. I said, yeah, I'm praying for 25. I'm praying for 10 new, 10 new people to come on to church in two weeks. Through passing out the cards, through personal invitations, through other ways that maybe they walk, drive by and see the signs we're going to be putting up in another week or so. 10 people to come and hear about the love of Jesus, to experience the love of Jesus, to meet you and have the, the love of Christ exude out of your being into them. Will you join me in praying for, for the next seven days? Pray for God's power in our church. How many of us have something big and specific you already want to pray about that God's brought to your mind? How many of you? Anybody have something big and specific you think God's already brought to your mind? Okay. I'm praying that God gives you something big. Something that you say, God, I don't know if I can accomplish it. Good. Because you can't accomplish it. If you can accomplish it, it's not your, your, your prayer's not big enough. If you can personally accomplish it, your prayer's not big enough. Because we need to tap into the power of the one who will accomplish it. Using us. Using each other. But he's going to get the glory. I hope that today as you think about your prayer life and we look at how anemic sometimes our prayer life is, that you've been challenged to pray bigger, bolder than you have in the past. He's got a big task ahead of us. 